This is Tori Huster, and you're listening to Follow Your Spirit. I'm hitting record whether they like it or not. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Follow Your Spirit. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. To my virtual left is my co-host, Jordan Small. Jordan, welcome. Thanks for having me. To my virtual right, Jason Anderson from Black and Red United. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on. Yeah, it's uh, last year when I first kicked off uh, Follow Your Spirit. Your your colleague, Caitlin Buckley, was a uh, was a regular uh, on uh, on Follow Your Spirit. And so it's nice to have you on this season. Yeah, uh, Caitlin, Caitlin just finished making our, our site the number one soccer site in Tajikistan. So uh, she's... <laughs> Of course she did. Of course she did. Uh, very well. All right. Let's. Uh, so Jordan, the last time you and I talked, it was before the Chicago game. Um, so let's start there. I didn't see really any of the match. The only thing I can remember from that game any is uh, Estelle Johnson's phenomenal uh, slide tackle, uh, where she got all ball and still managed to t- <laughs> to take out the player in the process. It was great. Um, Jordan, your your thoughts briefly on the game against Chicago? Yeah, I mean, um, looking at that game, they they struggled at some points, but also had some some very good points. Um, it, it seems as if this was one of the games that it has kind of summed up the season. They were down at the half, weren't playing horribly, come back, tie it up, and then immediately give up uh, a goal to to lose and you know they do a great job at at containing Kristen Press all game and then three minutes left they somehow lose her and and it's in the back of the net so you know just one of those games that once again sums up this season just not great uh not great for a few minutes and and then it's a loss here Jason anything to add uh I felt like this game was was actually a pretty even game. Um, in a lot of ways, there weren't that many chances. Um, the Spirit, I think, actually might have... I, I like to call them chances to create chances. Um, I think they might have had more of those where they put the ball into a promising spot and they just they couldn't do anything with it. Um, and I think th- this was... The Chicago game, I think, was one that kind of underlined what Franny Ordega brings to the table for this team that with, with she only played the basically stoppage time and that was it. Um, not having her fearlessly throwing herself at the ball and 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 being able to muscle people out of the way um, in the process. Um, I think the spirit created a lot of chances that she would have done really well with. Um, but on the day, what they ended up with was um, Shayna Williams plays a, a different game uh, as a center forward from, from Ordega and um, they they gave her the kind of service that Ordega would thrive on, whereas she, as you know, as we saw um, on Wednesday, um, plays a different game. And if you feed her the ball the right way, um, she can be really successful. But if you're sending her crosses into the six where she has to go, you know, slam into a center back to get a touch on the ball, maybe that's not her best uh, skill set. And that was kind of a uh, kind of the tale for the spirit um you know it took them i think the the goal was their only shot on goal yeah. in the end yep. um and oh, wow. uh you know but but at the same time they held chicago to very little as well um so 
in a lot of ways, they played the Red Stars very even, just like they did in Chicago. But once again, um, that struggle to get a full 90 minutes, you know, as, as Jordan said, they had their their lulls in the game and they paid for it. Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, you mentioned that they, they, they had chances to create chances. And I feel like I feel like I've seen that all season. I mean, I, I feel I, they're um, man. What was there was a game. Uh, I can't remember who they were playing, but um, it was a game. I think it was up in Boston uh, where, like, I felt like every time they were going down the field, I was like, oh, here they go. Here it is. Here's the chance because they were they were moving well. They were, they, you know, a couple good passes and uh, and you, you thought they had it. And then just they couldn't get they couldn't create the right chance or they couldn't finish the chance that they created. And um, that's like we said, this has been the story. Um, it's, it's been a theme of the, the season, and and Jordan, I feel like I feel like this is one thing that we uh, we're repeating ourselves every week with just uh, those two things: not creating the right chances or not finishing the chances that are created. And um, I don't know which one of those. I mean, obviously, finishing is more important, but are they are they even creating enough of the right chances for themselves? Um, let's go into the North Carolina game that just happened last night. Uh, Jordan, your thoughts on that game? Man, that that game was something. Uh, you know, you had a lot of injuries. Ship, obviously, we found out tore her ACL. Huge loss. Um, Coleman and Zdorsky still weren't weren't healthy enough to get in the starting eleven. Uh, so Callie Farkerson gets her first start. I thought that uh, once again, Shayna Williams played a, a, a very good game. Uh, the combination of her and Benini early on was phenomenal. I thought that they really took it to uh, North Carolina early on, especially since uh, the Courage haven't played hadn't played in eleven days. And then the second half happened, and and it was almost similar to the last time they played North Carolina eleven days ago, where they came out in the second half and just somehow kind of fell apart. Uh, this time they were able to get a goal back, but it was just one of those things where they they don't come out of the the half really well, and and it kind of bites them in the butt. Yeah, Jason. Um, it, I felt like this was kind of the the season in summary uh, packed in in ninety minutes. Um, in the first six or seven minutes, it felt like the season opener against North Carolina where they had already they had gotten a shot like 60 something seconds into the game they had another one that Kristen Hamilton I think no no it was Denise O'Sullivan sent wide where it really should have been a goal uh all very early and it was like this is this is the kind of game that I was kind of dreading for the spirit because of the, they've had so many bad breaks and now they're playing against North Carolina who are so good right now um but then their first attack ends up being the goal, and it's this tremendous run from Williams. She nutmegged Abby Urseg in the process. Um, that Benini did well to follow up and make sure that ball got in. Um, and it felt like maybe the Spirit were going to finally um, put together at least a full half. Um, they largely kept North Carolina contained uh, for a while there, but then they give up a set-piece goal with almost the last touch of the half. Um and it felt it both felt like classic spirit to 2017, but also this is the kind of thing North Carolina has been doing to teams uh, all season is that even when they're not having the best of play, they end up finding a way to score a goal. Um, 
and to have that happen right before halftime and then uh, Estelle Johnson going down injured early in the second half and it being obvious that it was something severe right away. Um, I mean, when she when she was on the ground, the whole the whole soccer plex went quiet because one, it's you know, it's obviously a bad injury, but two, there's already so many people hurt on this team. Um, Ariel Ship was at the plex with the uh, full uh, knee stabilizer, um, you know, joining in with the number of other people that are carrying some kind of bad injury. Um, so yeah, it was it it cast a pall on the whole building, and I think the spirit as a team took some time to mentally recover. Um, you know, uh, Zadorsky had to sub in, even though I don't, I don't think they wanted to, to put her in this game. Uh, she's dealing with a, a knee bone bruise that, um, she had a gigantic bag of ice on her knee, uh, after the game. Um, but it, it's not so much that she came in and couldn't match Johnson's level of play is that the whole team just sort of, they were stunned and they sort of drifted through the next 15, 20 minutes. And that's when North Carolina scored their, the two goals that ended up winning them the game. Um, and they were both goals that I think in the first half when everyone was tuned in and not thinking about their injured teammate, um, and understandably, I'm not, that's not a criticism. Um, in the first half, I think the spirit deals with those opportunities and they don't become goals. Uh, but they just, they were reeling from that and and I'll give them credit for, you know, after the second goal, they sort of collected themselves and, and got it, got better. They got the second, they got their own second goal, um, from Shana Williams, um, and they were making a push, but then, uh, Franny had come over to talk to the training staff about her hamstring briefly. And then she ended up, she tried to play through it. It was clear she couldn't really sprint. Um, she was just going to, um, you know, try and stay within three quarters of her, her top speed and, and see if she could tough it out. But then at a certain point she felt it again and had to take a seat. So they had to finish the game with 10, um, and North Carolina from there, even with, I think there were seven minutes of stoppage time. They just sort of pinned the spirit back because the, you know, the spirit were tired and they're down to 10. Um, it's demoralizing to have the kind of game that they had where there are so many people are being hurt. Um, and that was kind of, kind of it. It was just bad luck. Um, you know, a lull in the game, uh, in this case, an understandable one, but still, you know, all year it's been 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there and the games get away from the spirit. And that was, that was it. Yeah, so let's let's let that be the uh, segue into the injury problem. Now, you guys were in the media scrum, so I'll let you uh, speak on a little bit more. Uh, but I know that Jim Gabera was asked about injury and asked about training and uh, and conditioning, and it from what it sounded like he took the question a little personally um, in his response. Do either of you want to comment on on what he said and and tell the audience sort of what you got from that? I wasn't there, so go ahead, Jason. Um, oh, that's right. You yeah, weren't there. I, <laughs> I'm so used to Jordan being there. That's right. She ran off to get an education. Jason, you're the expert here. What 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 what, what happened? Um, I I got down there just in time for this question. I had finished our recap and hustled over. Um, and uh, Jim Jim was was he was fired up about the question. He did. Um, I think he. It, it's a combination of things, I think. I think he was also, um, I think he was a little frustrated with North Carolina. Um, I think he's frustrated with how the season has gone. Um, this team can't catch a break uh, with injuries. And uh, that was part of his point was that they've, in in his words, they've followed 
all of the um, best practices and the guidelines that are that are put out there from U.S. Soccer. Um, when the training staff has told him that a player is being overtrained, he's given that player the time off. Um, he's rotated his lineup due to fixture congestion, things like that. Um, and he said, you know, what do we get for it? We get all these injuries and we don't get any results. And he contrasted that with North Carolina, who, you know, if, if you follow them very closely, their lineup is almost the same exact players every single game, uh, no matter how many games they play in a row. And he said, you know, they they play people 90 minutes like it's nothing and, and they're top of the league. And uh, I think that was just that was more him frustrated almost at like the stuff that's completely out of your control. It's the fates, you know, one team yeah. can just, you know, nothing happens to them no matter what they do. And, and the spirit this year, no matter what they do, things go wrong. I mean, the several of the torn ACLs are from bad tackles or awkward tackles or unlucky contact like um, Sigvarts and Jensen, you know, getting tangled up with two other players going for a loose ball in the uh, Euro 20 scenes, uh, Euro 2017 semifinal. Um, it's just been one of those years. And I think this was, I wouldn't call it like a breaking point for, for Jim because he wasn't like screaming and, and throwing things, but um, he definitely you know, he's frustrated with the injuries, but he's not throwing anyone under the bus. He's saying that, you know, we follow all the best practices and we're still stuck with these injuries. There's not, it almost like, it's like there's nothing that they can do to avoid it. It just happens regardless of, of them doing their best to try and avoid these things from happening. Yeah. Jordan, I know you've been to training uh, a handful of times. I mean, does the atmosphere there make it seem like they're overtrained or that they're not conditioning well enough? I mean, from from what I see, I've been to you know a fair amount of trainings this this summer, but I don't know if they change it for what they're what media is allowed to see. But you know, they they do the strength exercises, they do the conditioning exercises, they're doing the the training, and I feel like you can only cram so much into each training session, and it's almost like what are other teams doing that spirit aren't uh that are allowing them to to go unscathed on the injury front uh you look at north carolina you look at a team like chicago it seems like chicago never has anybody on the injury list and it's one of those things that you you question what is what is allowing this to happen is it the training staff is it the coaches is it just the the poor timing of tackles is it not being protected by the refs because we know that Jim has been very adamant about that um, or is it just just the luck of the draw is that just how it's happening this year and I think it's a little bit of everything I don't think that there's necessarily one uh, thing you can pinpoint all these injuries to because there's just such a wide variety of injuries and how each injury is happening. Now, I don't watch many other games, right? I, that is the, uh, you know, I, I watch the spirit and that's about it. Um, but so I don't know if the hard contact is common in other matches in the NWSL, but it does seem like this season there has been a lot of hard contact um, in our games. We've seen Jim Gabera's response to it. Um, have either of you, Jason? We'll start with you. Do you feel like this is con- that this is happening throughout the league, and the Spirits are unlucky and it's resulting in injury, or do you think that they're unlucky in that the hard contact happens 
in their matches? Uh, I think it's more of a, a league-wide issue. Um, I think that referees in in the NWSL let they let they tend to let a lot of things go. Um, where if they were more stern early in the game, they might tamp the whole thing down. Um, but you sort of establish a pattern, um, and you let the players on both teams know that a given tackle is just a foul rather than a yellow card or, or a talking to, or it's just like, oh, I'm just going to blow the whistle and that's it. It's no big deal. Um, and so once you establish that standard as um, this tackle that is actually kind of a hard tackle isn't going to get a second look from the ref, that you start down a path there where um, players log that in their head and they say, okay, if I have to go in hard, it'll be okay. I'm just going to get called for a foul, but I'm not going to get called. I'm not going to get a card or anything like that. Um, and then when you add in players' emotions, you know, once hard tackles start flying in, people get upset. Um, and so that begets more hard tackles and you end up in this uh, um, self-propagating cycle. Um, and I, I think that the referees in the league could definitely um, just be more proactive and, and notice, you know, that first hard tackle say like, look, that's a little too much. And if those keep coming in, I'm going to have to pull a card on somebody. Um, or if, if there's a, you know, if it's the first five minutes and someone puts in a foul that is worthy of a yellow card, give them the yellow. Don't say that, you know, it's the first five minutes, you know, everyone's, it's a new game. So let's let everyone, um, have like a freebie almost. Um, you have to, give the card when it's time to give the card. Um, and if it's the first tackle of the game, then so be it. Um, and, and I think that watching watching games from around the league this season and talking to other people that follow other teams, I think it's been kind of a recurring theme um, is, is that the referees are just, they're very lenient. Um, and then they can get, it was, what's weird is they, they're lenient for a while. And then once one card comes out, there's a tendency to get very fussy from there. And so every little thing is, is you know, it's extra. It, it comes with a, an additional punishment. Um, and I think if it was just more consistent from start to finish rather than building up and then once, once the referee reaches their limit, then everyone's getting a card. Um, yeah. I think it would be a lot better for player safety because this season, I mean, the, the Spirit have had almost like a the entire league's worth of injury uh, just on their roster. Um, and there are a few other teams that can, that can, uh, you know, Boston recently, I know they were basically looking at their roster saying like, all right, we have Megan Oyster and everyone else playing defense is not even a defender. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I, I think the league and and the professional referees organization that, that runs, um, the refereeing requirements for the, not just the NWSL, but all of the professional leagues in the U S. Um, I think they need to look at this because it, it, I don't think it, it. I don't think it's been a satisfactory season from their perspective, and I think you know some teams. I, I can. I understand why the spirit are frustrated with this because I think it has had a negative effect on them. Yeah. Um. Man, where was my uh, where was my thought on that? I had something to say, and then it's only. Uh, oh well, it probably wasn't important. Uh, Jordan, you uh, you speak with um, the the members over at Backline Soccer on the scouting report. Uh, do you do you th- do they ever com- talk about this as well? Is this uh, is, do you hear the chatter in the other areas of the NWSL on on hard contact and la- oh I remember what I was gonna say. Let me get <laughs> there. We go. Uh, you know, like you see this in basketball, right? Where and we get frustrated because in basketball where referees will 
call a foul so easily all the time. But if you're watching the playoffs, a lot of a lot of um, experienced officials will actually will they'll be consistent. Like you said, first five minutes doesn't matter. You foul, it's a foul. But then in the last like three minutes, they'll back off a little bit and let a little more contact happen and give the players that that benefit of the doubt of letting them play. And I think that the NWSL could really benefit from, you know, a model like that. Like if, if, if it's minute three and it's a yellow, it should be a yellow. If you want to let that soften a little bit, you know, in the last five minutes when it's tied up and, you know, a team's looking for a win, uh, that's fine. But you've already set the precedent on what, what's going to be called. And then you can make a better judgment uh, after that. There was my point. Jordan, uh, you're, chatter, you're chat, chatting with, uh, with other people in the league. What do you hear? Yeah, I think uh, both of you have mentioned this a little bit, but if a yellow or if a foul is a yellow card, it's a yellow card. I don't care if it's in the first minute. I don't care if it's in the ninety-fifth minute. It's a card, and to allow it to happen early on just sets it up for the rest of the game to be, you know, borderline dirty. And I think yeah. we saw that um, in some of the games this year. You look at at you know, the Chicago game, uh, a sub comes off the bench for Chicago and basically goes in stiff arms, uh, stiff arms ship and then undercuts her. And then she has a, an ACL tear. And it's one of those things that's like, that could be avoided if you set the precedent early, because I know for a fact that there was at least five fouls called on Chicago for pushing in the back on uh, balls in the air. And it's a simple fix. If one of those is a card, people know to to not to not go so hard on that. And it's just one of those things that it just proves that the spirit would would be in a little bit better place if there if these injuries just weren't so unfortunate in, in how they occur. Yeah, I also feel like the the spirit, and again, this, this definitely comes from uh, that I primarily watch them, but um, it seemed like there were several matches this year where the spirit would have you know would be fouled against and you would think oh that might be a yellow and then it would go the other way and our player would at least get the talking to that the other team didn't you know and it made you and it's sort of even though neither of them were a card it still was like like why are we the ones that are being put in check and i think that led to the spirit players playing a little softer while the other other team was still playing at the uh, at that level, and uh, you know that can lead to injury when you have uh, you know one team playing a little harder than the other. I yeah. think that yeah, go ahead. Oh, something like that happened last night, um, where uh, Tori Huster got booked um, right right before the first North Carolina goal, and there was a lot of you know there was there weren't I didn't hear anyone yell from the stands, but there was a, a solid murmur, and in the press box. I think we were all on the same page where it's like, how is this the one where this is the one that, that that's getting the card after some of the other things that had gone on? Um, yeah. It just seemed like that this is maybe one other angle that the spirit have bad luck is that um, referees are saying like, I'm going to, you know, maybe they're almost on a counter where they're like, I'm going to allow six of that kind of tackle. And then on the seventh one, I'm going to, to say like, all right, I'm making an example out of this player. And the spirit just have a knack for being, that seventh person and thus getting getting the card or getting the talking to um that the other team doesn't get and so you know this ended up being a game where 
the spirit, if I'm not mistaken, were the only they received the only two yellow cards in the game. Um, and North Carolina is notoriously very physical. They're a team that pushes that envelope uh, quite a bit. And that's not to say that they're um, cheaters or they're bad sports, but they they push right up to the the edge uh, frequently. It's part of what they, it's part of their success. It's part of their style of play. Um, and yet the spirit come away with two yellow cards and North Carolina come, comes away with none. Um, and I know to stick with Houston, she definitely got stepped on, uh, maybe five minutes. I want to say before she got, uh, her card, she got stepped on, uh, by a late tackle that didn't even get a foul call. So, um, it's just one more angle of the, the endless bad luck that seems to follow this team. I think Tori likes being carded. <laughs> Maybe. I know she doesn't like Maybe. it from like a from like a practical like you know obviously it's not good to be carded but I think somewhere I think she gets satisfaction on uh, on drawing a card somehow. She, she wasn't she, pleased she to get away. this one. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I'm sure she's not pleased in a sense of like it's not good yeah. from like a strategy point to get a card. But I think her personality and like how angry she gets sometimes that she's like good that that I better get a card for that. <laughs> she looks so angry sometimes when she comes away from fouls. It's uh. Um, yeah, there's some times where I'm like, oh, I should say hi to Tori, and then I see her walking off the pitch, and I'm like, I'll, I'll talk to her later. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, catch, I'll catch up with her another time. Um, I briefly want to talk about uh, a player who is no longer with the Spear, but I feel it's still worthy of talking about. Christy Mewis, going to her sixth team uh, in her NWSL career, uh, started with uh, Kansas City in 2013, went to Boston to the 2014-2016 season, uh, and then Spirit starts. So, what am I missing here? Someone had Seattle down. Was she in, was she in Seattle briefly? Uh, I believe so. Well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, all right. The notes here I have, or the the list here I have, don't have her in Seattle. But I could have sworn someone said that she. Anyways, um, FCKC, Boston, Seattle Spirit, uh, Red Stars, uh, and Houston Dash. Now, um, that's. She's 26 years old. She's played. This is her fourth year, and she's going to her sixth market. Uh, now, granted, you know, two, <laughs> right? And and she played one. She had one appearance for the Chicago Red Stars before being sent off to Houston. Um, oh, man, like okay, I, I looked it up. Um, this is the second time in her career where she's been traded twice, or she's changed teams twice in one month. Um, she yeah, because she so it, Seattle was a one month thing, right? Yeah, she got That's, traded in the off season to Seattle. And then uh, early in early in November 2013, and then by the middle of November, she was traded For to Boston. Sidaru, right? Wasn't uh, that that trade? Yeah. Yeah. So this is the second time in her career that where that she has played one or zero games for a team before being traded again. So here's here's where this goes down a slippery path, or, or I guess it's already gone down a slippery path. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's on her 16, but she's good enough where where teams know they're getting value in getting her right Mm. but she doesn't stick around long enough minus her stint in boston of course but in other cases maybe doesn't stick around long enough to really meld with the team enough for the team to feel like she's a necessary asset right so i mean you know the the spear got good value out of her chicago flipped her quicker than a than a uh, an old house you know and uh, and who, you know, Houston, I can imagine needs that you know needs the talent and uh, that experience. But you know, who's to say that if there's another not another offer that comes in that they don't consider Mewis because we all know she's talented enough to for a, a team to want her. But again, not having the experience to stick around and meld with a with a with a team 
Uh, Jordan, what do you think about uh, Mewis uh, hopping yeah, all around I, the country? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think she becomes a really good trade bait. Uh, I think I saw it somewhere on Twitter uh, last night that, you know, they're just going to be using Mewis as, as um, bartering chips now. Uh, and I think that's because, you know, she she is good enough to go play on any team. I think she is very talented, and you saw that when she played in Chicago for one game. And uh, But she's also one of those players that you'll get good value for when you trade her. Uh, unfortunately, she hasn't really found that, that home yet. Uh, hopefully she will, because I think when, sh- when she's in a spot and gets around some some quality players she definitely has the potential to be uh, a very good midfielder but she just hasn't been in a spot long enough to really get adjusted yet yeah jason thoughts on christy Mewis? um yeah i, I first of all i mean i i just i feel for her because uh you 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 get traded you play your first game for a team you score a goal um, and she barely had time to, you know, get back to Chicago and then she's traded again. Um, yeah. it's just gotta be a bizarre life experience to have to endure. Um, yeah, I think, I think she should have ended up with several assists this season. I think, she, um, it wasn't so much that she didn't do the work. It was that the spirit couldn't finish, especially early in the year. Um, I thought she, she did maybe not like a, a fantastic job, but I thought she did pretty well. Um, as a creative force, and it just seemed like the chances that she created weren't getting weren't the ones that got finished off. Um, so I, I thought that I could I could see why they wanted to trade her because when you've got Benini, uh, which they didn't know at the time that they acquired her that they were going to have Benini back um, with Pew with Havana Solon could play as a central attacking midfielder as well. Um, there, it's one of the few positions that they've been pretty comfortably stocked at all year. Um, and in a season that was kind of getting away from them, you have to start looking at like, well, we have, you know, four different really good players for that, uh, vying for that one spot. You know, we could probably afford to trade one for something else. Um, so that it made sense to me getting a first round pick seemed like a reasonable thing, but then for her to immediately get traded again, it, uh, I feel like my head's still spinning and uh, it, it, you know, didn't involve me at all. And I'm still like, whoa, whoa, this is moving <laughs> too fast. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think you're both right that she's in that that zone where um, every team in the league could see a, a use for her and see a role in their regular lineup for for Christy Mewis. And thus um, you end up with every team in the league could be like, well, what, you know, when trade talks get going and, and coaches and GMs start talking, they're like, well, what about Mewis? Are you guys willing to move Mewis? And teams are like, no, not really. And you're like, well, what if we put together some kind of offer? And then all of a sudden, um, before you know it, you get, you know, this sequence where she was, I, was she even on the rain roster for an entire week? Um, it felt maybe like a week to 10 days um, or something like that. And the other thing is with the, the, the roster freeze coming in that tends to get things things get kind of weird teams get a little uh, a little hectic a little antsy and they start making deals uh rapid fire and and it almost seems like a collective um 
you know, everyone gets a little overexcited and all of a sudden you look around and you're like, wow, a lot of things just happened. Maybe too many things just happened. Um, and maybe she got caught up in that too. I, I, I hope for her sake that Houston actually wants to build around her and, uh, um, make her part of the team going forward so she can actually be in a place for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought, uh, Jordan knows this going into the season. I really thought that Christy Mewis was going to be, uh, a, 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 you know, firepower in our offense with, uh, with just how many, you know, I know it was preseason, but she just took so many opportunities and were landing them. It was amazing. Um, and I thought that she was going to be able to contribute to that. And, uh, coming to the season, I know she did with her own injury in, in early on in the season, but uh, not not as many attempts from mm-hmm. uh, from her range that I th- that uh, that I thought we were going to see. But uh, oh well, which are the best in in Houston, and hopefully she sticks around there for at least a season. Um, last question to finish this up, uh, you two. We got four more games in uh, at the end. There's there, at this point, right? We just want to end the season, I, and and not because the season's been bad. But because of injuries, right? I think every Spirit fan's like, okay, we're done. Let's let, let's just uh, let's just let's see if the Spirit Squadron want to go play for us for uh, a few games and let the players rest and recover. And, and that's just you know uh, just to, you know let them uh, you know get healthy again. I mean, it, I want to go to Jordan. You said that there's a chance we may the Spirit may only have. 13 players available uh, for the roster come uh, Saturday. Is field that right? players, yes. Uh, Kelly Piper and I were actually doing the math earlier that if Coleman uh, is still not healthy and Ordega and Johnson are not available for this weekend, that would leave them with 13 players. And you don't even know if all 13 of them are healthy. Right now you had Mal Pugh come off early last night. Some people were saying that she didn't look completely healthy at times. And then it's at that point you're like, okay, we have three goalkeepers. Which one of you wants to play in the field? And that's that's a scary yeah. thought, especially when you're playing your third game in seven days in the middle of the day in Portland on very, very hot turf. Yeah. You know, for some reason, I don't know why, but I can see Kelsey Weiss playing, <laughs> uh, playing, playing in the back line. Yeah. Um, Jason, what do you – I mean, if you're you're Jim Gabera, you're obviously frustrated with the season. Your, your players are getting hurt regardless of how much you're trying to protect them through conditioning and practicing. You're following all the rules. It's not working. You have four more games. You don't want to – you know, you have to, you have to field a team, and your team's going to go out there and play. Um, I mean, what's what's your game plan approach in trying to still put a competitive team out on the field uh, without, you know, putting more players at risk? Um, I mean, I, I assume that in this game we're going to see uh, Lindsay Agnew play more minutes than she's gotten for most of the season. Yeah. Um, in part because even if even if the preservation of healthy players wasn't a concern with with the flight out to portland and the the quick turnaround and all that um it's just i mean williams has played a bunch of minutes in in a very small amount of time all of a sudden um uh farkasen this was her first start since she tore her acl so she's probably not ready to to have to go play a full 90 somewhere um so just from a availability once ordega came off um with uh, what looked to be a hamstring issue, 
Um, once that happened, it almost kind of seals the deal that you've got to put Agnew in for a while just out of, uh, if, if you want to play with three forwards, um, she's going to have to play. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not, the, the roster spaces or the roster sizes in the league are so small that there's, there's, he almost can't avoid putting, um, these players that have, have just gone through two straight games going 90 minutes. He's going to have to field some of them just to have 11 players on the field. Um, It's really it's a bad spot. I, I assume that Morgan Prophet is going to get some time in this game as well. Um, I don't know where because she can play center back or defensive midfield. Um, maybe she plays some center back because you know Zadorsky I think was was toughing it out. I think they wanted to. They only I I assume that if they had twenty five or thirty player rosters that she might have been given the, the night off entirely um, on Wednesday. I don't have. You know, there's not that's that's speculation on my part, but um, uh, you know they're they're in a situation where it's just it is really bare bones, um, and so the players that haven't played a lot, I think, are going to get into this game, and I think the only other thing they can really do is try and pl- try and keep the game very slow um, in Portland, which is tough because the Thorns like to get the ball forward quickly. They they have kind of figured out how to play on that turf, which is a, a quick surface. Um, and so the game tends to be faster than on grass. Um, the Spirit have to do their best to keep the game slow and patient um, and take care of the ball more because if they can slow it down, it at least won't. It, it makes it a little easier on all those tired legs. But players like like Houston, like Doherty Howard, um, Didasco, they're going to have to go probably another 90 minutes um, in physically demanding positions. Um, I will say I, I did see. Uh, Coleman was at least at the game, um, in street clothes. So I don't, I don't know how much progress she's made, um, with the concussion protocol that she has to go through. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that she's at least out and about is, is something if she was in the real, the worst of a concussion, she would probably have been at home in a dark room because that's lights can trigger that too. Um, so, you know, at least she was there. Maybe, maybe there's a chance that she can play. Um, it would certainly help to get someone that didn't play on Wednesday uh, fresh and ready to go for Portland. But I don't know. The The situation that, that the coaching staff is in right now is is extremely difficult because of the, you know, there might be players making the trip that shouldn't, under normal circumstances, even play. I know Weiss was listed as doubtful and yet was the backup goalkeeper uh, last night. And that kind of, that's kind of the situation summed up. Um the fact that they had to they had to have her in uniform uh, possibly ready to sub in even though they were also listing her as doubtful to play. Yes. Jordan. Well, thoughts. You know, it it'll be nice to to see Lindsay Agnew finally. It sucks that it's uh, yeah. it's taken this long, but I guess guess Watch now she has off. to play. Cat, <laughs> hey, worse things Agnew. could happen. So. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, let's hear it. What do you? Uh, I mean, whatever. We're still gonna do this. What do you think? What do you? What do you see the result coming? Three, to? three to one. I'll give the spirit a goal, but it's not gonna be pretty. Yeah, I'm with you, and I think Agnew gets it. Jason, um, I think I think three one Portland is unfortunately that's that's probably a scoreline that sounds right to me as well. Um, but for the goal scorer, I'm going to go, I'll go with, um, Benini getting another now that she's got one. I get, I think she gets a second one somewhere in there and, and maybe it'll be a nicer goal, uh, 
we saw the highlight real goal she can score last year. So maybe it'll be an, a nicer goal. So at least there'll be um, a, a silver lining in all this. Uh, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a tough game because Portland has really figured it out lately. Yeah. Uh, I say, I only say Agnew because I keep on saying salon and I feel like if I pick someone else, <laughs> salon will finally score. Uh, cause boy, do I love, uh, some Havana salon on that front line. Um, all right. Um, or anywhere for that matter. Uh, Jordan, Jason, thank you so much for joining me. I know we, we, were, we went a little longer, but it was a great conversation. And, uh, you know, as Spirit fans, I think now we just got to enjoy our players and the, and the performances they can, uh, can get us. Hopefully they can uh, re- remain competitive. And, uh, you know, we go into the off season uh, just here in, in about a month uh, looking to, to rebuild what we know was a talented team. Uh, just one needs to meld a little bit, and uh, you know we'll see what happens there. Uh, Jordan, Jason, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on. Okay.